This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out, and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. Hey, everybody. It's Nick Layton. And I'm Leah Bonema. And we had so many great questions from you all in the wilderness. Ow! That we have a bonus episode. So here we go. Our first question. Oh, buckle up. This one's a bit of a journey. <laughs> so, quote... I recently moved to a new company where one member of the janitorial staff does most of the washing up at the end of lunchtime. Once she's finished, she goes around the office and delivers employees their clean, dry food containers. One day, my food container was not returned to me, but because I was busy and stressed, I didn't really notice at the time, and it took another couple of weeks for my wife and I to notice. So I looked around all the cupboards and drawers at the office, and I found a stash of what appeared to be unclaimed food containers. I saw one of a different size, but in the same style as my missing one, and I took it. I felt a bit bad about it because it clearly wasn't mine, but I reasoned that as someone else was probably using mine, it wasn't too much of an issue. Fast forward another couple of weeks, and I spot what I'm sure is my original food container in the fridge with some delicious looking lunch inside. It quote unquote belongs to a colleague of mine with whom I'm friendly. And because I couldn't demonstrate it was mine and I didn't want an awkward conversation over something silly, I didn't say anything. But now things have become fiendishly complicated. This week, I returned to my desk to find what appeared to be my original food container. It's a bit more tired looking than I'd expect after only a couple of months use, but it's the same size and style as the one I lost. So while I'm not convinced it's mine, it very well could be. Paralyzed by indecision, I left it on my desk for a day to allow the colleague mentioned before, who I assume was now one food container down, to reclaim it. He did not. So now I've taken that one home too. This was briefly satisfying, but now feels wrong. I'm sure I should return one of them, but which? Or do you think I should return both? Please help. I have a definitive answer for this one. Okay. Oh, I love definitive. You return the one that you took from the unclaimed food containers that clearly wasn't yours. Yes. I feel like returning the one that you know definitively isn't yours. Yeah, that feels like the answer here. Sure. Put it back. Now there's this other container that may or may not be yours. Apparently this style of container is very popular. So it's very possible that this is not yours and yours has been lost for good. And so to keep this one that you think might be yours, yeah, I feel like there is some ambiguity here. And because of the ambiguity, I think we wanna solve that. And the way we solve that is to ask this other colleague 
who might also have some claim to it. Yeah, I like that. I think return the original one and then just go to your colleague and be like, I lost my dish a few weeks ago and then this one showed up. I think we have a similar dish. Whose dish is which dish? Right. And just say it like very light. Like, oh my goodness, we all have the same dish. But then you have to be prepared for that colleague to say, oh, that is mine. And I think that's what our letter writer doesn't want to have happen because then he will have no containers. But then there, there may be another container floating around that we don't know about it. Maybe that colleague goes like, oh, I saw another one. Let me show you where it is. Oh, that's true. This colleague might be waiting for the rightful owner to appear. Yeah. Oh. They could be like, oh, I'm so glad you asked because I was like, is this a different dish? Because it looks like mine, but it's a little different. Oh, yay. And then it, it's this triumphant moment, like the end of a Disney movie. Or if this is a rom-com, like this is how it happens. This is how it happens. This is how our protagonists come together. And you form a team who betters the Tupperware community at the office. Oh, and then Harmony reigns. Okay. So long story short, you should not keep things that aren't yours. And if you're not sure if something's yours, you should try and clarify it. Yeah, and I think just go to that person with an upbeat, inquisitive attitude. Attitude is everything. And definitely return the original one that you know isn't yours. Yeah, please do that. So our next question is, quote, I sent flowers to a friend out of state as a thank you for something, and they just sent me a photo of the flowers thanking me for them. I was shocked to see the flowers were way less impressive than I paid for. What does one do when one is embarrassed by the less than impressive flowers they've sent? Do you want to go? This is tricky. It is tricky. This is tricky. I, I had yeah. a thought that is in either A or B, even though A or B isn't listed there, but it was an afterthought <laughs> I had, which is, could you call the flower company mm. first and say, hey, uh, I ordered flowers through you. This is what I paid for. This is what I thought I was getting. My friend just texted me the picture. It's a different flower, different arrangement, um, significantly smaller. Could you clarify for me what happened here and maybe they'll mm -hmm. just send off the bouquet and then you tell your friend oh hey there's another one coming because that actually isn't the one i sent you and then they'll see this gloriousness that you sent them so what was missing from this question was what was wrong because they're saying that it wasn't as impressive as what they paid for so a question is is that actually true or not and were the expectations of the sender correct for what was happening? Like, for example, $50 of flowers in New York City, that's a Wilty Gerber daisy in newspaper. $50 in a small town florist, you get a beautiful arrangement. And so, you know, your money goes very different lengths depending on where you're going. So it may be you just had different expectations for what this florist was going to provide for the budget. Possibility. There's also the possibility that the flowers were like incorrect. It was not what you ordered. And then there's a possibility that like the flowers were correct, but they were just sort of like wilty or old or like arrived in a not great shape. Well, I think that all of that could be clarified by calling the florist. Yes, I think definitely you want to maybe reach out to the florist first because you don't want to make this the recipient's problem. Like you don't want to get them involved. Yeah, you don't want to give them something else to do. Right. But as the recipient, if you receive flowers that you think are incorrect, don't loop in the gift giver. Like, don't bother them with that either. You should call the florist. If you get something that's like wilty or damaged or like old, you should call the florist. Be like, hey, I just got flowers. Like this probably wasn't what they meant to send because of X, Y, Z. And then like have the florist deal with it. It's similar to like if you get a wedding gift and you get like a crystal gravy boat and a drive broken, you're not going to complain to the person who sent it to you. You're going to complain to like UPS or the store that sent it. Like you deal with it. Don't bother the sender with that. I do think though that the people that received the flowers were just grateful for the flowers. They didn't get that feeling at all. Right. So then the question is, should you do anything about it? Because the recipient apparently likes the flowers and thought 
thought they were great. So do you want to emphasize the fact that, you know, they weren't great? Or do you want to send new flowers? Like, what do you want to happen here? I mean, I get the idea that they want the recipient to know that they actually paid for something more, quote unquote, impressive. So that's why I think call the florist. And then if the florist is like, that's what you paid for, that's what it is, then that's the end of it. Then I could think that's the end of that. Yeah. Unless there was a mistake here. I, I don't think we're sending a second set of flowers. Well, I also don't think, I mean, the other option is to say to your friend, oh my goodness, that's, I felt like I ordered something different for you that was more, more flowers, but I'm glad you like it. But that seems like a weird thing to well, say. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say if you're not prepared to do anything else then. Yeah. Like, oh, I wanted to get actually something better for you, but I didn't. And I will not still do that. So enjoy what I got you now. <laughs> like, that's weird. Yeah, I, I think that it's it would just come out weird. Yeah, well, it's like, oh yeah, I I, uh, I meant to get you the more expensive chocolates, but they actually sent you the cheap ones. But I hope you like those. <laughs> I'm not going to send you the things I wanted to send you. So enjoy the cheap chocolate. Bye. That's why I think we call the florist first and see if there was a mistake. Yeah, florist first. Clarify whether or not something has actually gone wrong or if your expectations were just incorrect for what was happening. If something has gone wrong, then yeah, the florist should fix it and should uh, do whatever that means. And if it's just that you hope to have something more impressive, but that just wasn't what the florist was going to do for your budget, well then pick a different florist next time. And I also think that people receiving flowers know it's like the gesture of flowers that people are really appreciative of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you get long stem roses or you get an orchid or you get, you know, some daisies or tulips, like the the sentiment is sort of similar for all of these things. Yeah, something arrived in the mail that was like a happy, a happy, thankful moment. And I bet they were delighted by it. And they sent you a photo and they thanked you. And so they're delighted. And so on some level, just let it go. Call the florist and then let it go after. Okay. <laughs> So our next question is, quote, I need the courage to shoot down a friend who's asking for too much. A college friend of mine let me crash at her house for a weekend when I was between apartments. And I was very thankful for this. And I bought her a meal to make my appreciation known. Two weeks ago, she asked if she could crash at my place for a weekend while she puts her apartment up on Airbnb. Naturally, I said yes, since she's been there for me and I can totally be there for her. But then things took a turn. She's since been leaving town every weekend to visit her boyfriend and leaves her keys with me, expecting me to drop them off to her Airbnb guests. I said I could do it once, but her apartment is pretty far from mine and I don't have a car. I still did it because I'll be there for her in her time of need, but now she's expecting me to host her whenever she puts her place up on Airbnb. And she just asked me what I was doing for weekends for the next two months. I responded with, I have no idea. Ha ha ha. She doesn't need a place to stay. She's just using me as a hostel while she makes money over the weekend. And while I love helping my friends, I also can't help but feel used in this dynamic. Yesterday, she wanted me to drop off the keys to her Airbnb guests again, but I've been under the weather and I said I couldn't because I wasn't feeling well. And she said, oh, okay, no problem. Today, I've been feeling slightly better and some of my friends dragged me out to get some hot bubble tea. And my friend posted a picture on her Instagram story. And then my friend with the Airbnb sends me an Instagram story saying, oh, I guess you're not too sick then, LOL. I feel so policed right now. I know I told her I couldn't help her out because I was unwell, but I also don't want to feel like my friends can't post pictures of me because I have to be sick in bed all day. How do I establish a boundary with this friend and let her know I'm done being used and also done being shamed for refusing to do her a favor? 
I don't know if when you read this question to yourself, the hair on the back of your neck stood up and then you started <laughs> sort of sweating. Uh, uh, but I most definitely did. Yeah, I, I did not love receiving this. Yeah, that was not thrilling. I just, there's so much to this. A, if somebody does you a favor and lets you stay with them, it, you don't owe them the rest of your life. Yes, that is not in perpetuity, correct. That's just up top. That's just up top. I, I, I feel like the there's just I don't know how we want to attack this question because there's the <laughs> layers of what's being asked of her to do to drive across town to bring keys to Airbnb guests so your friend can make money or the idea that you went out the next day after not feeling well. And then she's like, I, get what the words you use, policing your behavior. These are just in my mind egregious. Yeah, there's quite a few things to address here. I, I mean, broadly speaking, I think we all know this person who has the attitude of, well, if I don't ask, I don't get. And I'm just going to continue asking until you tell me no. And there are these people who just like to push and push and push until you sort of set that boundary. And then they're like, oh, okay, there's the boundary. So I think this person is that type who just feels like, well, I'm just going to keep asking because if you don't ask, you don't get. And we'll wait until I hit a wall. So I think how to deal with those people is to, yeah, got to set that boundary and got to hold that boundary. And with those people, I think things like, um, oh, I don't know what I'm doing or like they, they mm -mm. don't read the room. There's no room reading no. with these kind of people. You have to say things very directly with these kind of people. Like, I'm not available to do this. I can't use my weekends this way. I'm sure you understand. Thank you so much. It's like multi-level marketing. Those friends who are trying to sell you, you know, multi-level marketing products, they are trained to overcome objections. So you do need to be very clear and be like, it's not for me. Thank you so much. Not like, oh, I'm not free for the party on Thursday. Well, like, what about next week? Yeah. Or like, oh, maybe not right now. I'll follow up with you in a month. So you just have to really be very clear. Absolutely. And I think with something like the, um, well, as I was saying, these are, I feel like two different issues with the apartment, but also with this, somebody responding to your Instagram story being like, oh, you're not. Mm. I feel like this happens a lot. There has to be a thing where people can't do that. We're adults and it's not appropriate. Right. The Instagram thing, the social media thing, watching mm. people and commenting happens a lot in, and it has to be nipped in the bud. Yeah, that is not great because it makes people feel policed, like she said. It's very inappropriate. It's inappropriate behavior. Because it feels, it's condescending is not the right word. What is the right word? What's the feeling? I was trying to think of what the word is because it's... Judged. I feel like I'm being judged. But it's also yeah. parental in the, the negative sense. It feels chaperoned. It's chaperoned. It's like, are you my parole officer? That's what it feels right. like. And do I need to answer to you? Why do I need to answer to you is what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And it's sort of like, we're all adults, so I think we should all treat everybody like adults. I'm yeah. not a child. Okay. Yeah, definitely that's not great. But also, and I don't want to blame our letter writer at all because there's no blame here, but had our letter writer felt more comfortable being direct with this person, they would not have felt the need to sort of give excuses like, oh, I'm not feeling well today, so I can't do this favor for you. And so that's why it's like the Instagram story where like, oh, maybe you're not actually as under the weather as you said you were, why that sort of felt hypocritical to this other person and why they called you out on it. Whereas had you felt more comfortable with just being direct, which is like, I'm feeling under the weather. Okay, this is true. But also I don't want to do this for you because you're taking advantage of me. And I feel like we need to end that. Um, you said that in a nicer way, but I think if that was the conversation, who cares if I'm under the weather or not, or having bubble tea or not, I'm just not available to do this favor for you. And so who cares if you see my Instagram story? Yes. And in the same tone, you're fully welcome to be sick on a Friday and well on a Saturday and it's nobody's business. Also that. 
Yeah, and it's like you want to say something like, oh, I'm sorry, should I get a a permission slip from you? But obviously we're not saying that, but that's the feeling. Yeah, do you want a doctor's note? Do you want to see the blood test results? Like, you know, what do you want from me? I had a friend say something similar to me a long time ago, and I still remember it. I was going to say, it stuck with you. Oh, it stuck with me. And I forget a lot of stuff because my memory, not so great, unless it's song lyrics, but- Unless it's Toto's Africa. (laughs) Unless it's Toto's Africa, and then (laughs) wow, wow, boy, do I know every single word. Call back. Boy, do I know every single word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's because it is so it's just really inappropriate. Hey, she's calling you a liar. She's calling you a liar. Yeah, that actually is why that is such a problem, because she's just straight up saying you're lying, which is definitively rude. Yeah, that is that is definitively rude. Yeah. Well, it's rude if you aren't lying. If you are a liar, well, then. OK, which our letter writer <laughs> is most certainly not. Definitely not. So point being I think we just have to have a real polite yet direct conversation about how you want to be able to help your friend out, but that unfortunately this is not possible on an ongoing basis. Also, and I I do think that that it is true. um, It's no longer that she needs something. It's that she's making money. That also, that detail. There's so many details. Is she splitting the money with you? Since you're taking the key, half the part of the Airbnb stuff is bringing the keys, meeting the people. Are you getting paid for that? Or if you knew that your friend was like in a financial place where they needed money. Oh, totally different story. Totally different story. I'm not getting that that's what this is. No, I'm getting a, I have a boyfriend and I'm at his place anyway. And so why let my apartment go to waste? Let me make some cash. And on those weekends when I don't want to crash with my boyfriend, I will still Airbnb, but I'll just stay at your house and pocket the difference. And when I'm not there, I'm just going to have you bring the keys over because you love walking across town and taking <laughs> right. whatever. I don't, I, yeah, if, if this was a feeling like this person needed it, was trying to make their bills, but I don't get that at all. That would be a different no. conversation. Because if that was what was happening, you're not going to write us a letter about it. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, I want to help my friend out. Right. They're in a certain way. And I also think that a person who was in a certain way and needed, needed help financially wouldn't behave so flippantly about it. Yeah, because also what is also missing here is a sense of appreciation. Yeah. It does feel like our friend is taking advantage of us, doesn't appreciate what we're doing for them. And it's just sort of assuming that this is an obligation that we have now, which we do not have an obligation to run the Airbnb for you. Or that it's somehow fun for you to have her at your house every weekend and walk keys over to people across town. Yeah. So shut it down. Yeah, you got to shut it down. Direct and... Direct. Direct and... Direct. (laughs) Direct and direct. Yeah. And polite, but direct, please. And please keep us posted. We'd love to hear how this one works out. Please keep us posted. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So on your recommendation, Leah, I started watching Happy Valley. Yes. And now you see how the title is ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also, so much is going on in this town. So much is going on. We already, we start at a 10. And then we keep going up. But I will say the lead, she is so good. She's unbelievable. Why are they better actors over there? She is incredible. Yeah. And just, yeah, the way the storytelling is done and the way it's shot, like, oh, it it, it got me. It got me. I'm in. I'm I'm so glad. I knew you would love it. I was like, this is great storytelling, great acting. Also, I sweat. 
I break a full sweat in that show. So you out there, check that out and check out all the stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my Books of the Months. Is that the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. <laughs> you know, love happens. And you out there, you're going to love <laughs> Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. So our next question is, quote, how does one properly address an envelope for a thank you note when knowing the last name of only one spouse and being unsure whether the other spouse has taken the same last name? Is it a terrible faux pas to address both by one last name only to find out later that they both kept their own? Thank you for answering this question that has multiple people puzzled. Multiple people. Multiple people. Wow. I was thinking about <laughs> what I've done with envelopes where I've had said problem. And I was okay. like, I don't think that Nick is going to appreciate what I've done in the past. Not with that introduction. <laughs> no. What What are you doing? Um, I think that I have... One time, I think I definitely put the one person's last name. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure that on multiple occasions, I've written, say it was Chad and Lisa, Chad and Lisa. And then I put like little, little hearts next to their name. And then I put no last name at all. And just the address. Okay. I mean, clever approach. I'm just on a first name basis with both of them. Maybe I put a little XO next to their name or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's going to Chad and Lisa at 123 Main Street. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. I mean, it's casual. Okay, sure. It's personable. I like to say it's personable. What I also love is that apparently you have asked around and that you're having this etiquette debate amongst yourself. And so multiple people have weighed in. So I like the fact that people are having etiquette conversations out there. That does warm my little heart. So thank you for that. That is really fun. I think you'd also ask around and say, does anybody else know if said person took somebody's last name? Well, okay, yeah. So what are your choices here? So you could guess. You know, you could just guess that they took uh, the other person's name. You can just leave the name off, like what you do, add some hearts. You could add like, and the other person that lives there, or and guest. Um, <laughs> or you can, you know, toss in some other thing. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, let's just ask. Like, why is that not on the table as an option? I mean, I understand why they feel like they should know. I think that's where the... the People feel embarrassed. And by people, I mean mm. myself. I don't want to speak for other people, but you feel like you should know. Well, you know what I mean? You're like, was this information give out and I and I missed it, you know? Okay. Uh, but you don't know. And don't so know. I think guessing is not a good option because, you know, if you guess wrong, that's not a good look. Leaving the names off. I, I mean, you could get away with that if you're super casual with these people, but it's a little weird. Bring in some colored pencils, you know? <laughs> okay. 
I mean, you have to know your audience if you want to start doing illustrations on your envelope. <laughs> but asking, I mean, I think so often with thank you notes or other things, there's this idea that like they should be surprises that you don't know are coming, that are like sprung on you. And so we don't want you to know I wrote you a thank you note. But, you know, if given the choice between a thank you note that has the wrong name on it or you know it's coming, then like I would just rather know it's coming. And you could just ask me like, Hey, it was so lovely getting together with you and Lisa last night. Your lamb tagine was to die for. I was just updating my address book. What name does Lisa use socially? And just ask, just ask. And you could ask Lisa directly. Lisa, what name do you use socially? Or ask the partner or anybody else in the household. You know, just ask. Nick, I love that. I love it. Right? Yep. Right. And you could just say, I'm updating my address book. You don't have to say, I'm writing you a thank you note for the lamb tagine. I love it. I think that's so perfect. Great. So- When in doubt, well, with so many etiquette issues, when in doubt, just ask. When we assume, this is really the space where a lot of etiquette crimes happen. When we assume things, oh, I'm not pregnant. Why did you say I was pregnant? You know, that's an assumption. That's an etiquette crime. Like, I didn't take his name. Why would you assume? So just ask. Well, I think it's also in this case, it's not even assuming it's, which is a great point that that's when things happen. But this is also (laughs) being afraid to ask because you're afraid that that's somehow rude or... Like you should know. Yeah. I mean, I do see a world in which I have been having dinner at Chad and Lisa's house for the last 10 years and I don't know her last name. Like there is a world in which like, how do you not know that? So if that's the situation. Then I would ask around. Then you have to ask around. I mean, there is the point of no return sometimes for some etiquette questions, like about what name do they use or, you know, what is their job title? You know, what company do they work for? Like there is a point where you get too far into a relationship where like some of those basic biographical questions now feel like awkward. Like actually I just had uh, coffee with a friend who didn't know I went to college in New York City. And I was sort of like, I mean, I guess fine that you don't know that, but it's sort of like, where did you think I went to college? I've known you for 10 years. Like, what is that biographical detail that you just don't have? Like, that's weird. So it caught my eye. I mean, it wasn't catastrophic for our relationship, but it was like, oh, we're a little too far in our relationship for you to ask that. Mm. And this actually comes up a lot for people who do a lot of online dating, where you might meet them first online and you see their name, but you don't necessarily know how their name is pronounced. Yes, yes. And so then you have the, the first date and you're like, oh, so nice to meet you. And you're always talking to them directly. You're not using their name. And so you could get to a point where you're like, you have no idea how it's pronounced. It's so true. that I think that's nip it in the bud. You got to go right up top. You got to nip it right in the bud. Be like, oh, I wasn't sure how it's pronounced. You know, and like so many etiquette crimes, you know, they don't get better the longer you wait. So earlier is always better. I think you knocked one out, this one out of the park, Nick, as you normally do. But this one was <sighs> like, I heard it in the, I heard the bat hit the ball. Oh, thank you so much. Well, this was an easy one. I mean, something involving envelopes and invitations and thank you notes. Like I got that in my sleep. So <laughs> our next question is, quote, I'm currently on a multinational work trip, and since I had a week and a half in Brazil before heading to Colombia, I invited a friend to join me for my last week in Brazil, and then for a week in Colombia. At the airport, as our flight was leaving, I was stopped because I did not meet travel requirements. Turns out, I needed a yellow fever vaccine. My heart is broken that my companion got on the flight instead of waiting for the next one and maybe rescheduling our vacation. Was it rude of them to go without me? I'm hosting and I prepaid the hotel, airfare, champagne, rose petal bathroom, thousands of dollars. On one hand, they might as well enjoy it, but I'm still hurt that they didn't even check to see when the next plane out was. Whoa. 
I'm hurt. Can we just recap what happened here? So I'm at the airport. We're boarding. You're stopped. And you're like, oh, you don't have the right paperwork. I'm your friend. I'm like, bye. See ya. And I board the plane. Yeah, that's. Is that what just happened to you? That's what just happened. I think if we backed up a few, (laughs) what happened was I spent my time and energies making this vacation for the weekend. I mean, what a nice friend. What a nice friend. I paid for my friend. We go to the airport. I get stopped. My friend just continues on. I mean, I I want to hope. You want to hope that what they didn't notice the friend got stopped? I, I want to hope that there's that or that there's some conversation that did happen at the gate that is not being included in this letter. I have a feeling that that <laughs> it didn't. I've, I feel when I read this that the friend just continued on. Continued on and got on the plane. In which case, I feel like we were going to have to put friend in quotes. Okay, and I guess we're on the airplane and we see our friend has not boarded and we don't think that's a problem. I mean, benefit of the doubt. Sure. We would have to like, maybe they're on the plane, they're having a panic attack. They don't know what to do. Maybe they're not, uh-huh. they're, they're not familiar with traveling. They don't know if they get off, they can't get back on. Maybe they have a price on their heads. Uh, maybe oh. there are uh, bounty hunters. Maybe they're smuggling wild birds who will die yes. if they don't make it to the destination. And so they're like, I'm worried about the bounty hunters and the wild birds. My friend will mm. understand. It, let's sure. leave that caveat open. Okay, sure. Put that on the list. What this should have been was a conversation at the airport, which was, oh my goodness, that's terrible. You can't get on the plane right now. When is the next flight? What would you like me to do? Do you need help? What can I do to make this better? That would have been a nice conversation. And then if your friend was like going to be okay with like getting rebooked and all of that, then the person who paid for all of this should then say, Please go ahead, enjoy the hotel and all that. I will see you in five days or whatever it is. Um, Like someone should enjoy it, but that should be a conversation. It should definitely be a conversation. And also it's possible that you can't get the yellow fever vaccine quick enough, in which case do we know that the friend should even necessarily go? Yeah, I actually think that the letter writer cannot actually go to Colombia for the vacation. There's not enough time. Yeah. So they will not be able to actually do it. So, yes, it's a valid question of like, should you just let it all go to waste or not? You know, is it all non-refundable? Is it all go to waste? I think what I would do if I was the friend who could board the plane, I want to hang out with my friend. Like, that's part of what this vacation is about. I don't want a solo trip to Colombia on my own. And I would just say, well, let's just bag it. And let's just stay where we are for another week. We have the time available and let's just do that. I mean, I feel like that would have been the nicer outcome here. I definitely agree. And that's that's also what I would do. Unless my friend was like, I paid for it. Please go. And insisted. Insisted. You know, I, I would leave it up to my friend because it, it's their money. But I think I would say, Let, I'll just stay with you. Because I don't think I would be able to enjoy a bubble bath and champagne and rose petals on my own, knowing my friend was like, back in another country, unable to travel. I don't think so either. Yeah. I think this should be a vent. This is really a vent. And this is the sort of thing where it's like, am I really friends with them? Is this a relationship that we want to continue? Do I have the same values as this person? How aligned are we on the fundamentals? On the fundamentals. I think a lot of questions we get, they feel rude, like people have been rude. And this one actually, to me, feels hurtful. Not that rude isn't hurtful, but it's it's an insensitivity that sort of made me a little sad. Can I say that? Yeah. I think it's because I visualized the airport and airports inherently 
are emotional. Yeah. And I feel bad that somebody just sort of left and got on the plane without you when you were so kind. Yeah. And at that moment where the, the plane's taking off and you're just like at the window watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's very, it's very like I hear I have a soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. You have a lot of high strings. Yes. A lot of strings. Yeah. And of course it's raining. There has to be some water coming down the glass pane overlooking the airport tarmac. Mm. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry it happened to you. Very sorry. And I hope that somebody treats you to a trip because you deserve it. Yeah, I mean, we'll take your bubble baths and rose petals and champagne vacations. Sign us up. Let us know where to be. We'll join you. (laughs) So... Do you have questions out there for us? Let us know. You can let us know through our website, wereyourraisedbywolves.com, or you can leave us a voicemail or send us a text message, 267-CALL-RBW. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.